Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt, and this is the show where I get the great fun of sitting down with some of the smartest, cleverest, coolest people in the world to talk about how we think about things, because there's way too much information out there. And it's great to share different approaches to all that information. And that's what we do right here. I've been having these kinds of conversations all my life. My grandpa Carl and I used to sit down in his front room and talk about the world. My grandma Roxy and I would do the same thing in her front room. And I got lots of different ways of looking at the world. Great conversations, all leading me to this moment right now. Welcome to the front room, Allison Sheridan. Hey, Tom, how are you? I don't know if I can uh, hold up to Grandma and Grandpa. They probably have way better stories and thoughts than me, but I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> That's so funny. Every, a lot, so many people say that, uh, which <laughs> I think would tickle my grandma and grandpa quite a bit <laughs> to, to think that they were, they were in any way uh, intimidating. Uh, but they, 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 were, they were good storytellers, and so are you. I know this because you are the host of not only the Nocilla cast, but uh, Chit Chat Across the Pond and tons of others. Yeah, I uh, definitely like to tell stories. I've just been noticing lately that I think I'm a teacher. Mm. I've just started thinking about the fact that so much of what I do ends up being teaching that maybe I'm a teacher too, not just a talker. Yeah, um, I think that's right. From what I know, like you, you like, I think we share a little bit there where we like to explain things. We like to figure out how they work and explain things. Yeah, I, um, think back, I've talked to a lot of podcasters who say that one of the things we all have in common is their elementary school report cards always came home with the words talks too much in class. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> right, which, right. Which is perfect, uh, a perfect transition to our, our word today, uh, which is demo. Um, this sort of came up because I let Allison hear a little preview of the first episode of this season of Know a Little More, which is about the mother of all demos, uh, given by Douglas Engelbart back in 1968. Uh, it is considered the mother of all demos. I think it was uh, Steve Levy who dubbed it that many, many years later, but it was a demonstration of the mouse, of a graphical user interface, of word processing, of video conferencing, uh, and so many more things long before those things were normal. Uh, those are all things we do, not even on a desktop computer just anymore, but also on phones and, and other things. But back then, they were incredible. Uh, and that got us talking, Allison, about demos and why why people love to see someone else sit up on a stage and demonstrate something. Yeah, I, I am a strong believer in doing demos for any time I do a talk, if you will. I really dislike talks that are just a bunch of slides. A slide deck is super, super boring to me. And if I can demonstrate something instead, like to a user group or, you know, on stage at MacStock, something like that, I would much prefer to do a live demo. Um, and 
in, in thinking about the mother of all demos, one of the stories I wanted to tell you for sure was a demo that we did at work. So I worked for a big um, aerospace company and a good friend of yours and mine, Diane Salter, and I worked in the same IT organization. And I forget whose idea this was, but somebody had this idea that we should try to do a demo of an end-to-end system of IT services from design through engineering and test and analysis and doing your your time card and everything. And we were going to do it all end-to-end and show like a day in the life, I think it was called. And so it this sounds required, like the mother of all demos for that kind of thing. That, that's yeah, huge, yeah, right? Absolutely. And it, this was groundbreaking at the time to show all of this together. And so we had to have people from manufacturing that knew the manufacturing tools and the engineers doing the engineering tools. And we had people demonstrating the time card part. And of course, it required all of the network stuff to work and everything. And as we practice this demo, there's like 12 of us on this team trying to get it to go. It never ran end to end. I mean, not once, not any, and we get like, like the MRP system would work and one guy would go, well, I had my med, my, my back pillow with me. Maybe that's why it works. So wow. we would never work on it without the pillow. It was that, that that's mysterious. That's like, like major league baseball, NFL kind of stuff. Like I need my lucky socks kind of. Oh, oh it was, it yeah. was. It, and, uh, I remember we would go through each piece and we couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. Sometimes it would work. Others, some things would work. And I remember the night before it's going live, we had to do it in the conference room to make sure, okay, all the networking stuff was set up and we go in and IT had shut off the network port in the room. <laughs> and so uh, we, we, somebody goes, well, hang on a second. There's a printer on the other side of the wall uh, uh-huh. from this conference room. And, uh, and if we could throw an ethernet cable up over, you know, have those ceiling tiles that you can pop up. Oh, we'll, get, right. we'll get it. Yeah. We're like spies and- crawl through in movies and stuff like, Right, right. Yeah. So we throw one of those over the wall, wall. We pull an Ethernet cable. We realize we have two male connectors. Oh no! <laughs> so one of the guys is like, "All right, all right, hang on. Give me, give me fifteen minutes." He goes back and he wires up a a, a connector, a female to female connector to put it, it together. Yeah, that's amazing. And it and it worked. And we ran the demo end to end, and it worked. So the next day, they bring in all the VPs to see this big demo. The VP of engineering is there. This is the guy we really want to, Steve Eichelhart, man, he's the man. We got to impress this guy. We get it all set up. The demo goes off without a hitch. 10 minutes before the end, he kicked the power cable out of the computer. (laughs) (laughs) He did? He did. The VP that you were? Yeah. 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 He, he like crossed his legs and knocked the cable out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you almost was, made it. You almost made it all the way to the end. Yeah. And he couldn't blame us. Yeah. Luckily right? it was him. It wasn't one of us there that was kicked not, it loose. So. The product uh, demo went, went smoothly up until you kicked it out, sir. Um, I have a question. <laughs> exactly. Did you leave that Ethernet cable going through the tiles or did you risk yeah. changing the Ethernet cable? Oh, no, we we put it back afterwards. But no, we that is exactly how we did the demo diagonal. And it was like tight to diagonally going. Across no, that's what I mean. For the demo, you left it. Oh, right? the demo. You, you didn't want oh, to risk. To. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to risk changing IT ports at that point, oh, even no. if you got no, the one that was going to happen. On. Yeah. No. Oh, no. that's amazing. Yeah. So you so you've got a big an Ethernet port going up through the tiles. Uh, you've never, you've only once successfully ran it from beginning to end the night before right. and you One almost time. make it to the end. That's yeah. Oh. That was epic. And, and that got me thinking, do you, do you like to see small failures of demos? Yes. Like to everybody, make it real. Doesn't everybody love that. <laughs> Is it waiting for the like, plane crash? Like it's, and I'm not even talking about haters, right? Like, sure. 
Apple haters, Microsoft haters, whenever Bill Gates or Steve Jobs had a failure, they got schadenfreude out of it. But I don't even have that. I'm just fascinated when that stuff doesn't work because of why. I'm, I want to know. I'm like, who? What caused that? Why isn't it working? What does that tell me about how this product was supposed to work the way that it failed? Uh, I'm always curious about that kind of stuff. I also think about the person doing the demo. How do they handle it? Do they become oh, flustered good. and they yeah. can't can, can't go on? Or What's their do they recovery just, plan? Yeah. Yeah. Or were they, they ready for one? another? Yeah. That makes me think of when uh, Steve Jobs was doing uh, one of the keynotes and it was early on in the days of Wi-Fi and basically all the Wi-Fi got jammed up by everybody in the room doing their, their live blogging and he couldn't do his demo. That one didn't work out real well. I, I, don't I remember think he, they started. I don't know if they did it that time. I can't remember, but after that, every Apple demo that you would go to, they would ask everyone to turn off their phones. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Uh, which you know, all the live bloggers were like, ah, yeah, "Screw that! I'm not doing. I've, I've got to. I got to publish. I got to. I got to <laughs> put this stuff out there." But, but yeah, I remember they would ask people to to get off the networks. Five G capacity has made that less of an issue now. Um, right. So, Wi Fi six, I think, helps with that too. Do you mind if a demo is not live, right? If you've if you've prepared it and simulated it, uh, or or is it a thing where like, no, you got to show me this project working in real life. Don't show me some video you could have edited and 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 jimmied it up. I guess that would completely depend on who I am in the audience. Mm -hmm. If you're selling me this product and you're demoing to me how it works. It needs to be a live demo, right? Yeah. It's got a, you know, pitfalls and, you know, warts and all. If you want to sell it to me, you got to have, I've got to believe it. I'm not going to buy something based on watching a demo that I know is canned. That doesn't, that wouldn't work for me. But if it's just teaching, this is how this tool works, or this is my workflow. This is how I do these kinds of things. Then I think that's a really slick way to get around the problem of possibly have having, you know, poor internet access. Yeah. It, it, that's a good way of looking at it. Is and it flooding. sales or education? If it's sales, I need, I need live or I'm a, I personally would be okay if they would, if they said, look, we know the internet's swamped in here. So this is, this part's recorded, you know, so you, your mileage may vary, but this is how it would work just in case it doesn't work. I'd be okay as long as they disclose it, but for education yeah. purposes, yeah, you just want to, you want to see what would happen and you don't want like bad internet or tech failure to get in the way. Right. Right. Um, when I do screencast online videos, which is a tutorial service people pay for, uh, we're demonstrating tools and we explain kind of in a project based, why would you use this and what can you do with it? Um, but we also go through every single bit of the tool and explain how it all works. Um, I get torn when I run into a bug in a tool. Do I show that the bug is there? I mean, if I can, I'll get a hold of the developer before, you know, and say, hey, I just found this bug. How fast yeah. can you fix this? And I've I've had developers that are just like, oh, oh, sorry, it took so long. And it was like 17 minutes until I got a new build. <laughs> well, OK, but next time. Yeah, better be, better be 12. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but sometimes I'll just go, yeah, you know, this part. I don't think it works quite right yet, but I've got information into the developer and hopefully by the time you see this, this will be fixed. But I don't want to just gloss over it because what if I, because there's, when you're doing video screencasting, you can do sleight of hand and make it look like it worked. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's honest. I got to make sure that I never do that. 
Yeah, there's there's a also there's a difference between journalism and education where, where with if you're doing a review, you would want to highlight it and it's not your job to get it fixed. Whereas you're coming at at it from an instructor's point of view, which is I want you to know it's there, but I don't I don't have an interest in reviewing this product. I'm just telling you how it works. And so, yeah, if you can get them to fix it ahead of time, that's great. Although a lot of journalists will will alert folks in reviews like, hey, is this not supposed to work this way? And and sometimes that can help, too. Yeah, I definitely do that. I'm you know, I like to engage with people. So I always write to the developers and, and give them suggestions. But I always start it with, hey, hopefully this is me doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I love to tell them that because I, I try to explain it's way easier to fix me than it is to fix sure. code. Yeah. So if you can tell me where I'm doing it wrong, everybody wins. That's not a downside. Don't you know worry mm-hmm. about telling me I'm an idiot. I did this wrong. Just, you know, I want you to know I could have done it wrong. Makes it nicer, I think. Why do you think we love demos? Demos are so like Steve Jobs demonstrating the iPhone still like a classic moment. People talk about and clip out video of uh, is is it just because of the personality? Because Steve Jobs was such an amazing showman, uh, or or is there is there something more primal that makes us enjoy seeing someone show us something new? Right? If it's something we know how to use, it doesn't seem like people are interested. There's definitely the biggest factor is probably the seeing something new, but it it also has to be somebody who's good at it. Uh-huh. You know, Any I've both. seen really bad demos. You know, and not to keep harping back on the screencast online thing, but when I see screencasts, I've had people say, oh, it's real easy to do a screencast. I said, sure, it is. It's really hard to do a good screencast. Exactly. Trust me. So I the, used to do stuff like that for CNET back in the day, and I hated it because it, it's hard. Oh, it takes so long. It's, it's, it's real easy to turn on the camera and then talk for 45 minutes. It's really hard to make a seven-minute video that gets across the point. Um, and the same thing is true with demos. You know, you can you've seen people who ramble and poke at buttons and don't really understand how the tool works or, oh, wait, 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 let me back up. Oh, sorry. Wait, no, I didn't do that right. Let me try this again. And and those are just those are just horrible, really tough to watch. Um, in in your question about why do we love those? I started thinking, what what's what's a video or a sorry, a, a demo that I saw that really left an impression on me? And it was at the All Things D conference hosted by Walter Mossberg and Kara Swisher. They had the people who developed Jawbone on the stage. The and that ear was, thing, right? It, yeah. Well, it was a microphone and, and speaker, but the microphone was picking up your, your, uh, your jaw. So it was able to do sound cancellation really well. And I actually still have mine. They gave all of us one of them and it had a big old wire coming down with a pack with a switch on it that you had oh, to wow. put on your belt. Um, and it was real messy, but, but the guy got up there and he made a phone call to somebody outside who was using like a weed whacker or something like that, some sort of lawn equipment and had a perfectly clear conversation back and forth. And that was one of the most impressive demos I've ever seen. And when I think back on it though, we have no idea what the guy heard on the other end, but we did hear what this guy was, you know, this guy was able to communicate back with us and we could hear him perfectly over the, uh, over the audio. And I think that was a live demo. I believe it was. So yeah, the, the, 
the shtick, I guess, for lack of a better word, like the the thing, because if, if you came to me and said, we have a bone conducting headset we want to demonstrate, I, I would struggle to figure out, well, how are you going to show people that? Uh, so that, that, that's genius to say, well, not, well, you make a call with it, right? It's, it's a, it's a Bluetooth headset. You make a call with it and you make a call in adverse conditions and you have to feel comfortable that your product's going to hold up, uh, to, to Mm -hmm. do that. And then you have to make sure that people know, like, how did they make sure you knew there was really a weed whacker there? Did they, did they turn off the bone conducting or something or did they just lean in or do you remember? Well, now that I'm, yeah. I don't actually remember, and I, I suppose we don't know for sure that the person outside with the weed whacker had on a jawbone, do we? I, I'm trying to remember if they, I think they may have had him come on stage, like with the weed whacker or the leaf blower or whatever it was in his arms. But I, I think another part of that is, uh, you know, that's like you say, the shtick, the it being this big piece of uh, garden equipment was was impressive, but it was also they're flying without a net. Right. This is an audience uh, that was filled with uh, venture capitalists and titans of of industry in in, um, uh, you know, tech reviews. Stephen Levy, you mentioned he was in the audience at the time. I mean, these this was a as big as you could get to be on this stage. This was phenomenal. And uh, so they're flying without a net. And uh, maybe part of it is I said earlier, waiting for the plane crash. I meant waiting for the car crash, right? You're watching a race. Part of you is is going, okay, I wonder if somebody's going to crash this time. So I think that is a little bit of an element to that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Allison, let's let's change tax a little bit. Uh, what's your favorite demo? I know I know you said it was the jawbone, but like, wh- let me maybe make it this way. What's your favorite demonstrator? Is there somebody? Is it just Steve Jobs? Am I just asking the obvious question? <laughs> me. <laughs> so, besides the tale you told at the beginning, have you done more demos? Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of demos. Um, I've now just kind of gotten into the circuit of doing Apple user groups. And like I said, those are online mostly now. I really like them better in person, but I enjoy doing the demos because of how much I learn when I'm doing it. And um, I did a talk at MaxDoc recently entitled uh, Learn by Teaching. And it's not just because it forces me to really learn the tool, which is a big piece of it. I've got to really know what I'm talking about if I'm going to do a demo um, but so often those demos turn into somebody in the audience who says, Hey, did you know if you click that icon over there, it'll do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, that's cool. Tell me more. And so I like to get a lot of audience engagement in it. So instead of reacting with, um, you know, insecurity that I didn't know everything about the tool, my reaction is just like, this is great. Anybody, what else you got? Anybody else know something? Um, that happened a lot in the, um, teaching on the the Mac Geek uh, cruise I was talking about in Australia was I learned so much. They uh, gave me 90 minutes to do each class and 90 minutes is a long time to talk. I can talk, 
but 45 is about the outside of where I start to get bored hearing my own voice. But they would always go 90 minutes because somebody would chime in with something I didn't know that the tool I was trying to demonstrate could actually do. So I, I love doing live demos. The Q&A, I let people stop me in the middle, ask me questions, break it up. I feel like that's even different than a demo. Like that, I don't know if there needs to be a new word for that, but uh, mm. I, I'm with you that the collaborative experience of teaching like you're talking about which is different than the product demo it's different than the you know bill gates is going to go up stage and demonstrate the new windows for you like it's more of a like we've identified earlier there's there's marketing and sales versus versus education and the education one benefits from people being involved in the teaching of each other rather than having just one person like I'm the only one who knows anything, everyone else shut up. I, I think that's important to, to remember. Yeah, you're right. That is kind of outside of the, the purity of the word demo. Do we have to stay to the purity of the word? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Not for this conversation. If that's what you're asking, absolutely not. Like I'm, just, I'm wondering like if that's because that is a demo that that people call that a demo. Like oh, and, and and people call it a class or a seminar or something like that. But I feel like there's a subcategory of demo there that we could identify. Yeah. I, I want to flip your question around and tell you about the, can I tell you about the hardest demo I ever did? Sure. About, uh, boy, it's probably coming up on 10 years ago. Um, I decided I've got a lot of interest in accessibility and I'd always kind of wanted to learn how to use voiceover, the screen reader on the Mac and the iPhone. And so I thought, you know how I would really learn this is if I had to, to demonstrate it. So I signed up to do a tech talk that I called blindfolded. And I demoed how to use an iPhone and a Mac blindfolded in front of a live audience. So you and covered your eyes so that you couldn't see and had to literally use wore a blindfold. the assistive technologies to navigate. Right, right. So uh, it, it all started, when I first started the idea, I wrote to a bunch of my blind friends. It turns out if you're a podcaster, blind people listen to you and they'll talk to you and they'll tell you what they know. So I've got a whole bunch of blind friends now. And I wrote to them and I say, hey, I'm going to need some help. I need you guys to help me t uh, learn this. And I remember I, I talked to uh, this one guy, Slough, who's a, um, a blind uh, musician. He owns his own studio out in New York. He's a great guy. He's really, really funny. And he said, oh, Allison, you got this. You can learn this. It's not that hard. It's, you're really going to be able to do this. So it turns out the iPhone's actually really pretty easy to use with accessibility because it's a very well-defined grid, right? You've got, you've got, especially on the homepage, you know, you know where things are. You slide your finger across. It tells you you're on messages, you're on mail, you're on contacts. Super easy. And learning to type was hard because typing is, is a tricky thing to do with, with voiceover. The, there's a lot of different methods. And the one I was using, you had to, uh, I think you pressed and held and when you lift it up, it would, it would tell you the key and it would be in a different tone if it was capitalized or not capitalized, mm -hmm. what letter you on. Uh, that took a long time to get, you know, adept at it to where I was typing maybe four words a minute. And uh, so I got that down. I got that was doing pretty well. But the Mac is was really hard. Because it's, it's wide open, right? You don't know if you're in a web browser, you're in an app, you're, you know, are you in a, uh, an app that's really well written and controlled? So all I was going to do was go to a website make a, and make a dinner reservation and send an email to somebody with a, or set up a calendar event. That's all I was going to do. And uh, it was really, really hard to learn that, but I got it all down. Now, Tom, what do you never do right before a presentation? 
change anything. I was going to say change anything or drink a lot of water. But yes, change anything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what I did decided- you do, Allison? <laughs> While practicing it at the last minute in the in the press room, I, I took my presentation. I thought, you know what? This would be better if it was on the desktop because it'd be right there for me. Oh, but I had never practiced yeah, picking it up off the desktop. Uh-huh. And you know you know how like you get something stuck to your foot and you start walking around in a circle trying to get it? That's uh-huh. what it was like. It was this the the thing was stuck to my foot and I was flailing around trying to get it off of me to get it unstuck. And according to Steve, I was randomly opening applications and files were <laughs> opening and he was really nervous because it was gonna be like, you know, that medical report about yeah, right. that weird yeah, that rash on your tongue or something. Yeah. And so I sadly Steve's social I, security number gets blazoned across. <laughs> exactly. So uh sadly I had to take the blindfold off partway through it and 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 fix it and um I was really pleased with the audience's reaction as they all told me, "Hey, if you were trying to show us how hard it is, man, you nailed this presentation." But that wasn't actually what I was trying to demonstrate. <laughs> And you, but, uh, you would add such positivity from everyone beforehand that you were going to be able yeah. to nail it, too. Yeah. Well, I called Slough back afterwards and I, I said, Slough, you are such a liar. This is not easy. And he just started laughing and he goes, I know it's really hard. Just, but I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't think you'd you ever up. try to do it. Yeah. He said, I, I didn't think you'd try to figure it out if you knew how hard it was. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a good teacher. That's a good teacher there. Yeah. Jerk. Uh, yeah. The idea of demo as 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 teaching, I think, is is so compelling uh, because the demo as as marketing is sort of a flash in the pan with your occasional you know milestone moments: the Mac, the Windows, the iPhone, etc. Um, the mother of all demos, which, by the way, I I almost forgot to mention. Have you watched? The mother of all demos. They you can you can find the entire thing. It's it's around ninety minutes uh, online. I actually have not. I keep meaning to every time it comes up. He is not a charismatic demonstrator. Oh, <laughs> for for an iconic moment in computer history, uh, he sort of talks like this, and then he'll move over here and show you a thing. Uh, it is the technology that makes that demo, and. He's not flailing around. Most most stuff works. There's a there's a few hitches uh, here and there, uh, but it you know I don't know if it's of its time. Maybe just in the '60s, people had lower expectations. But it is not dynamic. But you learn you learn all of these things that are possible that I you know most of the people in the audience may have heard of but had never seen done in real life before. Do I remember correctly? Is this the one? At, was it at Xerox Park? No, it was not at Xerox Park. Uh, it was Stanford Research Institute is where Engelbart's group was, and they gave it in San Francisco at a computer conference that was happening. Uh, I'm going to get the auditorium wrong. It was either Bill Graham or Fillmore, but uh, or maybe it was Civic Center. Anyway, it was one of the little small auditoriums in, in downtown San Francisco, and they had to create a video link between Stanford and downtown San Francisco uh, for that demo to be able to show the video conferencing. Oh, because the, okay. Okay. It seems to me at that time and in that venue, somebody from Stanford is not in sales. They're not in marketing. No. Right. So the the whole idea of, they're not trying to sell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. They're just showing to nerds, Mm -hmm. but yeah. 
I, was it a sleeper at the time? Like, is, did people only realize later how monumental that was? Or was it huge when it came out? Was that like, what? I would say both. It was a, a hit. People were buzzing about it. They did the thing that's totally normal in these big product demos now where you can go try out the stuff afterwards. So people were invited oh, wow. to, to come down and, and you know, give it a whirl. Uh, and everybody talked about how great it was. And then nothing came of it. Everyone said, yo, that's really impressive. It's not practical for what we do. It's mm. too, you know, I don't know that we would be able to. And, and when you mentioned Xerox Park, that is an understandable uh, thing to think because what happened is everyone from that team, not everyone, but a lot of people from that team went to Xerox Park and that's where they were able to make marketable products. Oh, okay. That were then. Okay, so this predated yeah. Park. Yeah, it was huh. 1968. I, I I think Park existed possibly uh, in 1968, but it wasn't till the early 70s that that it really took off and started developing the stuff that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates would then <laughs> take to market and make their fortunes on. You've probably picked up that I've got a, a fairly high opinion of myself, but what I do know that I'm not good at is I'm I'm convinced if I had seen that demo, I wouldn't have seen the future. I wouldn't have really realized. I, I don't think I have the imagination. People have to spoon feed it to me and show me that this is how this is going to help the world and change the world. I do have brief moments of understanding that. Like I remember, uh, you know, the tool See You, See Me with, uh, it was from Cornell. And it was uh, one of the first video conferencing tools and I remember our buddy Ron, a mile away from our house, we were able to get a like 16 by 16 pixel video image of him talking uh, to us. And I remember going, oh, my gosh, I have seen the future. And it might be because it was just that one little piece. But if I'd seen the mother of all demos, I think I would have just probably gotten bored. I would have just. Yeah. Would have been weird? too much for my brain to put it together. I think that's a normal reaction. Like a, a lot of times when we have these new scientific advancements that, that someone talks about, uh, our reaction is like, sure, but what would you, what would I use that for? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. our, our brain goes right to that. And, and I think that, I think that happens with a lot of demos where it, they impress you in the moment and everybody talks about them, but then if you can't use it, it just sort of fizzles away. And that's, that's the difference between, a, I guess it's not just marketing because, like you say, the mother of all demos wasn't marketing, but the sort of the like to show you a product demo versus the let me teach you because the ones you're talking about, the ones that you do at MaxDoc and Screencast, those are something where I'm immediately going to take what you showed me and then I'm going to do it, I or at least I can and I know I can. Right. So it, it's more relevant to my experience. Right. So some of those are more mind bending. You have to use your imagination to figure them out. I started thinking about the, the confluence of this, the Steve Jobs demos of, of fame and the idea of can demos. What do you think of the way uh, Apple's worldwide developer conference is now all canned? Mm. It's recorded. And it's, I mean, every demo is flawless. Everything they, everything they show because it's all pre-recorded. Um, do you like it because it's tighter and more to the point and gets it done? Or does it kind of destroy some of the fun of seeing a live demo? My, my answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> I like it that it's more uh, compact as a person who has to do a show about it later that day. Uh, I love that. Uh, 
on the other hand, it is less fun. There is a less of like, ooh, is it going to work kind of, you know, <laughs> tension. So it, it may be less entertaining in that way. Maybe that tells us that our answer, right, is yeah. are we really waiting to see if one of the cars crashes? Yeah. <laughs> if we, you know they're not going to crash, what fun is that? Yeah, it's dramatic tension, right? And uh, you, what do you replace it with a, a couple of, of cheesy jokes? Uh, that, <laughs> that, that's essentially what you get. Also you know you're really seeing the product when it's live right there there are, there are yeah. clever ways to to fake things live don't i'm not, i'm not trying to pretend that they're not but there's a much better chance that what you're seeing is really happening and that's also more impressive if if they land it right if uh, i guess you know for sure they're not pulling a mike schmitz yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you if if you have if you have reasonable confidence uh, that that's the case. Um, now, have you ever had to do a demo? Any demo? I, I have avoided having to do a demo um, in front of an audience. I, I've done things closer to what you talk about, where I show someone how to do something. Uh, like I just recently Sawyer or what? <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've, I've done talks at conferences and, and stuff like that where, where I, where I've explained how we podcast or stuff like that. I recently taught, taught a zoom class of like how to make a great podcast and walked through some of the things I've done. I've done videos about how I do daily tech news show. Um, I haven't ever got up and done what I would call a proper demo where I'm like, let me show you a thing you've never seen before. Uh, and step by step, yeah, and and walk you through how it works. Although you know what, take that back. When I was working at CNET at CES, we basically had to demo other people's products. That that was one of the hardest things I oh. ever did. Is just over and over and over, fifteen times a day, someone would come up to you and say, "Here's our product. Here's how it works." And then I would go up and show it, and I would demonstrate it. So yeah, I guess I have done. Very oh, short wow. product demos. Uh, but you're taught that right on the fly, like right there? On the spot, because oh, CNET geez. didn't want the people from the company showing it. They wanted us to show it, so it was trustworthy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but you we really don't know whether it's going to work. just met it, so it's like our chance, uh, we have to like internalize everything and then go, okay, here it is. Wow. That, okay. That's flying without a net. That sounds yeah. really, really hard. It was. It was, it was, it was, tr it was tricky. Um, I do have to say, Tom, one of the – I have such a strong memory of the demo you did uh, explaining how you do Daily Tech News Show. I can still envision, remember in my mind how many tabs you have open, <laughs> running the tools to, to – uh, actually – there was an effect from that. You you showed how you opened all the browser tabs and then how you had to move all of the articles from the browser tabs into a spreadsheet, into a Google sheet. And I explained the problem to uh, my good friend, Dorothy. Dorothy wrote to you and sent you a way to automate that that process. So that demo was of great value to you in the end. Yeah. And I did that demo in like 2014, I think, 2015 at the latest I still have list tabs, Tom tweak in my doc. <laughs> I love it. I, I use it every it. day. So yeah, but I was, it, I was do demos. You'll, you'll, you'll learn yourself and there are other benefits from it. There you go. But I remember it, to me, it was important knowing 
okay, I have a cup of coffee and then I do a bunch of tabs. Now it's, now it's, uh, you know, eight Oh seven. Now I go outside and I walk the dogs cause I got to clear my head and we've got to give the news the time to, and I come back and here's what I do next. And also seeing the, the different computers you used was mm. interesting to me because you are a slider, at least in your, your work life, you slide between different operating systems and, and use them um, for what they're good for. In fact, I, I think I remember you being annoyed that Dorothy wrote it in a way that it only worked on the Mac. So I liked that. that yes, that's you. right. She well, <laughs> well, she wrote it for Mac, uh, and and so when I went to Windows, I was like, oh, I can't use it here. I don't have a version of it for that. <laughs> that wasn't Dorothy's problem, though. I never blamed her for that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I love uh, I I love chatting about all of this stuff and and about demos. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we're getting towards the end of our conversation. Uh, are you willing to play our word game? Oh, yes. Yes. I've been working on, on at least one of the answers. Okay. One of okay. the questions. So, yeah, there are some repeating ones in here that you're probably prepared for. Those are all still in here. I've got some custom ones for you as well. Uh, for uh -oh. those who don't know, if you're new to the show, it's called This or That. I will give Allison two options, uh, and she just picks one and tells me why. Are you ready? Bring it. Mac OS or iOS? Mac OS. Why? Why the desktop? I just, I think because I have so many more abilities to do automation with it, so many more uh, differentiated tools that I can use, definitely for podcasting. Um, I've got uh, Keyboard Maestro on there where I've written a whole bunch of really nifty automations that do things for me. Um, I know you've got shortcuts on the iPhone, but it just, I don't know, I don't find that I need to do that much. That's just like a play with little text-based things over there, and I don't do much else interesting with it. Yeah, I don't have Dorothy's script on iOS either. So, see, know. see. <laughs> um, and I, I'm with you. Like, there is something, and it's probably just because I've trained my brain this way, there is something about being able to have multiple windows that you can move around and resize and put anywhere you want and copy between that is essential to my workflow and you can't really do it. You can't even really do it on Chrome OS, although it's getting better at it. You can't do it on Android. You can't do it on iOS. It's just for some reason not I mean, a mobile. iPad OS, you've got a little bit of it's it. It's getting now, closer to, but yeah, yeah. But it's janky and annoying. Plus mm -hmm. a keyboard. Yeah. A keyboard. Keyboard matters to me. Keyboard. I'm faster. I'm definitely faster on a physical keyboard <sighs> than I am on a. 800 times as fast. Now, I do have a, a, a keyboard on my iPad Pro. So that gets a lot of use, but not the iPhone. But even those, even those tablet keyboards, I'm slower on because they're just not the same. Oh, I got the magic keyboard. I can, I could wail on that. Thing oh yeah. Okay. On the iPad. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, second one, coding or repairing? Hmm. Because I know you like to code. You've got a whole podcast about learning to code with, with, with Bart, but I know mm -hmm. you're also a repairer, somebody who likes to fix things, not, not just replace them. You mean like physical hardware? Yeah. Physical things? Yeah. No, I'm I'm much more internal within an operating system within software. If I if I'm repairing something, it's repairing something in software. I I, I like to get around. You know, I've, I I have literally never hung a picture in my house because that would be a nail and it would permanently change it. With <laughs> software, I know I can play with it and I can get it back hopefully to where I had it before. Um, you know, installing a new iOS, installing new apps breaking things that's that's fun but uh no i'm not I'm not really that into the hardware as much as all right so so coding is your is your call yeah you yeah. can repair code exactly yeah yeah yep yeah. 
All right, here's the here's the here's the classic one: fast or slow zombies. I'm gonna go fast, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a very particular problem that I have. When I was a little kid, I had a recurring nightmare of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put. I'm going to put Frankenstein in the zombie category because I would be chased by this slow Frankenstein. He would uh-huh. chase me. And no matter how fast I ran, he was always still right behind me. So I might as well be fast and get it over with. I did finally figure out that I we had some stairs that ran up to the front of my house. I'm like six years old when I'm having this nightmare. But I would run up the stairs and there was no railing on either side. And I would jump to one side and then he would try, he would just fall off and then he would be dead and I could wake up and I'd be fine. <laughs> Over and over and over it's again. It's like a it video horrifying. game you did, that you were yeah. playing in your mind. Yeah, terrifying for a little six-year-old. Yeah, no kidding. So you want the slow zombies, or you want the, no, fast, want the fast zombies, zombies because they don't remind you of that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. That, that is very specific. And the, and <laughs> usually it's the fast, people like the fast zombies because they're more entertaining. <laughs> so, <Yo. laughs> so it's nice to have a different reason for the fast zombies too. Uh, savory or dessert crepes? Dessert. Finally. Dessert crepes that I might eat at breakfast. Yeah. Like, so a, like, like a little like pancake, a strawberry. Lindsay sort of a thing mm-hmm. with strawberries and a little cream on it, that oh, kind of finally. thing. But yeah, it, that's what I thought everybody would be answering. Maybe that's because that's what I like. But, but a yeah. lot of people go savory. So huh? many more people go savory with the crepes. I'm glad I had time to work on this one because I had to really think it out. You, mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. you don't eat crepes that often? No, no, but there is a place called Holy Crepes down the street from Lizzie's <laughs> house. I think I might go get us some. That's great. I love that name. Uh, tips or tricks? Tips. Tips. Yeah. Why tips? So I like to do things that help people, teach people things that make them more productive. And I like mm-hmm. to learn tips of like, hey, did you know if you held down the option key when you clicked on this in the menu bar, it would do this? That's a, a tip. I don't know. Does that count as a trick or is that a tip? Well, that, that's part tip. of the fun of this one is like, what do you define as a trick? Because we always say tips and tricks, but w- which one's which? Yeah, to me, a trick is uh, doing something maybe misleading. You think I did this, but I actually did that. And a tip is this is something you don't know that I know. And if you knew, you'd be all excited because you could do it, too. Uh, uh-huh. It's a more yeah. positive word. Yeah, me. yeah. No, for sure. I, I, I guess I had... Until I, I created this one for this episode, I hadn't really given it much thought. But to me, a trick feels like something that maybe isn't even intended to work, but does. Whereas oh. the tip is like, oh, you didn't know this menu item existed or this functionality existed, but let me give you a tip it does. So a, a, a trick would be like a cheat code that wasn't necessarily designed to do that, but it causes yeah. some other side effect. Or a little hack where you're like, well, they didn't design it, but if you, you know, if you do yeah, Did this, you know if you put a string of zeros with a duck emoji in it, it actually breaks this, this Wi-Fi connection? That'd be a trick, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not a particularly useful one. And, and unless you're trying to <laughs> Unless you're them, hurting people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but th- I'm trying to think of a good example of that where I'm like, well, this isn't supposed to work, but it does. So here's here's the trick. I, you know oh, what? Oh, here's an example. For threads, as we're recording this, they haven't released the web version for everyone yet. So when I want to write something that I'm putting on multiple places, I text it to myself so that I can then your copy Mac? it. Yeah. I, I, I text it from my Mac to myself and then I copy it on the phone so I can put it into threads. That would be a trick because that's not 
it's not how anyone designed anything. Right. Uh, maybe work around in that case and work around for stupid apps that you can't do anything with. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, a workaround is a kind of trick, right? Yeah. At least that's how I, I heard one the other day on the Mac Geek Ab. A guy had a, a, a car that it didn't have a backup camera, didn't have it in the right place or whatever. He was trying to uh, back his car up his truck up to connect to a trailer uh-huh. and there, he had a guy behind him, but they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They got on a FaceTime call oh. and the guy held the camera down showing him. That's a cool trick. Basically gave him a backup camera. That was, a, that was a trick. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, uh, dogs or cats? Oh, sorry, Aiden and Grace. I'm going to go dog. Mm. I have a dog and two cats. And these are the most loving, affectionate cats I've ever had. They're they're not jerks like Great a lot of names, cats. I've, by the way, oh, Ada and Grace, I love that. Ada Lovelace and Grace Hopper. Um, but you get so much more from a dog. You know, a little bit of input, you get just gobs and gobs of love. A, a cat, you know, it's it's one to one if you're lucky. And yeah. a dog, it's like a hundred to one, no matter what. You're at the cat's mercy of when. When you're going to get when they any attention, to it. yeah, yeah, yeah. My my cat Ada loves to to lay at my feet on the on the recliner at night, but just to where I can't reach her to pet her. <laughs> if I reach and and I succeed, she moves just a little she bit farther away. away. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mac stock or CSUN assistive tech conference? Mac stock because Mac stock is. A lot of people described it this year is like going home to family. Mm-hmm. And and we don't really know why we all said that. But it, it, part of it was we hadn't been able to go for three or four years this year. Um, it's a very small conference. Um, it, this year, unfortunately, it had to be restricted to 75 people. It's been bigger, more like 150 in the past. But to be surrounded by people who live and breathe the Mac and the, and the iPhone and, um, and the way the, the conference is structured, you have a lot of time in between each session where everybody talks to each other about what they learned, what they know. Um, the uh, speakers are not elite on stage, untouchable, often a green room people. They're sitting in the audience learning as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more fun. It is just, it's a really warm, inviting group. It's just lovely. Oh yeah, I do love the CSUN Assistive Tech Conference because of all the cool gadgets and the fun interviews, but it's it's not quite the same. I was trying to come up with anything that could possibly rival MacStock because of the way you've talked about it. Uh, so could have that, said MacWorld. Yeah, I thought about that, but that's like not around anymore. And yeah, it's sort yeah. of. I figure you'd probably pick MacStock anyway because of that community aspect to it, right? Yeah. Yeah, where a lot of the people that I see there, I met at Macworld. You met at Macworld, so yeah. Macworld was a bigger multiplier of people, but uh, it, some of the stuff is the same. You know, the feeling of being, especially in the early days of Macworld, where the Apple was not as big as it is today, you were with your own kind. You weren't, yeah. um, you know, when you go to work, you're surrounded by Windows people that think you're silly for liking the Mac and, and it's a toy and everything. But then when you went to Macworld, you were, you were with your people, with your tribe. It's crazy how that has changed over the years. I, I feel mm. like that the the I, I forget sometimes that I would have arguments at Tech TV back in 1999 about covering Mac stuff because people would say, well, how many users are there out there? Like, it's kind of a waste of time. Mm. Nobody uses the Mac. 
Uh, you know, and that that is in the era right after Steve Jobs has come back and nobody knows if it's really going to work or not that he's back. And uh, and there was we used to have to fight to cover Apple stuff before the iPod. Then the iPod sort of changed everything. And then five years later at CNET, I'm covering I'm, I'm being asked to create Apple stories because they do so well and everybody everybody reads them. Interesting. One of the things that I found interesting when I when I was going to Macworld, I would I would talk to people about the Apple community mm-hmm. and my Windows friends. I would say, well, what what do you go to? What are your where's your Windows community, your online community, or your? And they just look at me with a blank stare. And and maybe we'll get a bunch of hate mail, so that would be cool. Um, but I haven't found anybody who can tell me this is where my Windows community is. This is where I get together with. Enthusiasts and we, you know, not gaming, not, you know, because there's gaming communities, but mm-hmm, just about mm-hmm. the OS and the apps I can run there. And these, this is where I talk to my people. But the Apple community, in spite of its massiveness now of, of customers, there's still tight uh, Apple communities. There's something interesting there that the predominant culture is rarely a community. And Windows mm-hmm. is the predominant culture, even still, right? Um, yeah. Even, even though Apple has, has expanded. Uh, Mac OS still a minority operating system to to Windows on on the desktop. Yeah, hmm. yeah. All right, final one: dry or humid? Humid. Just, humid, but I have air conditioning at my disposal when I need it. <laughs> humid, but not too humid. We went to Mammoth uh, last week for a vacation with family, or two weeks ago, and. The dryness just, you know, my my nose bled, my hands Mm -hmm. got chapped, my lips got burned and chapped, and my hair is straight. And I have curly hair, and I really (laughs) like my curly hair. And I just like we go to Utah to visit our friends Dean and Suzanne, and I just like me and straight hair. It's just it's just wrong. I don't like it. I like the curly. Yeah, I I think I used to like dry because I grew up in Illinois, and it was always really humid, uh, especially in the summer, Um, and and. As I've lived in California where it's drier, I I think I have an appreciation for the the back and forth. There there are some uses for humidity out there where your your lips aren't chapped and uh, all the water evaporates from the ground and everything dries up. I I'm I'm starting well, I'm starting to California, swing back we, that way. Southern California we kind of get the best of both worlds cuz my hair's still curly here but my lips aren't chapped. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you live closer to the ocean than I do. I I, uh, I used to be in that that climate, but now that I live a little farther away, I, I'm a little dry. Yeah, I notice your your hair's really straight. You know, it the is. audience can't but, see the video. I mean, here, you can't. It's very straight. Yeah, you have to look real close with a magnifying glass, but it's straight. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much. It's always so much fun talking to you. I really appreciate you having me on. I I think this is such an interesting show. I don't think there's anything like it. Oh, well, thanks. I, I hope folks are enjoying it as well. If they would like to enjoy more of what you have to offer, where should they go? They should go to podfeet.com, P-O-D-F-E-E-T.com, a name designed to have no search engine optimization possible, uh, where you can find all of the tech shows that I do there. Thanks to our producer, Anthony Lamos. Thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show and special bonus outtakes from this episode with Acast Plus. Click on access exclusive content at awordpodcast.com. We'll have a word with you next time. 